The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's that time on a Sunday morning where we say good morning to Rob Kay. How are you, Rob? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, yourself? I'm well, thank you. Now, I understand that the subject of UK pensions in our post-Brexit world raised quite a few questions during your recent seminars. This clearly highlights the fact there's still quite a lot of confusion, which I'd like to address this morning. But first, before we interrogate pensions, as we do most weeks, what's caught your eye in the news this week? Well, Howard, the war in Ukraine has now been raging uh, amazingly for a month. But despite devastating lots of Ukrainian cities and displacing at least 10 million people, Russia is yet... Uh, we are told to take control of any of the major cities. And reports this week highlighted the fact that seized, siege tactics are being used to cut cities like uh, Maripol off from aid and humanitarian supplies while targeting uh, shopping malls and civilian targets such as apartment buildings. Joe Biden, Boris Johnson, Emmanuel Macron and the other European leaders met for a trio of high-level summits this week to address the war. NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg opened the NATO meeting by condemning the Kremlin's unprovoked aggression and reconfirmed NATO's support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. He described the war as the most serious security crisis in a generation. Brussels then hosted a meeting of the G7 leaders, then a European Union summit. US President Biden attended all three meetings and then held a news conference. Boris attended the NATO and G7 meetings, but for obvious reasons, he wasn't invited to the EU meeting. Meanwhile, back at home in the UK, the Office for Budget Responsibility announced that inflation and tax rises will cause living standards in the UK to fall by 2.2% over the next 12 months, the greatest fall since records began in 1956. UK Chancellor Rishi Sunak then presented his spring budget and warned that the OBR's report had not accounted for the full impact of the Russian invasion and warned we should be prepared for the economy and public finances to worsen, potentially significantly. It was also announced that inflation hit 6.2% in February and is expected to average at 7.4% over the course of the whole year. The Bank of England had previously warned it could reach as high as 8%, but the OBR are now predicting inflation will hit a 40-year high of 8.7% in the fourth quarter. They say it will then fall back to 4% in 2023 and 1.5% in 2024. However, they also admitted there is a significant uncertainty, especially if energy prices stay at the current levels beyond the middle of next year. UK GDP growth is now forecast at only 3.8% in 2022, down from the previous estimate of 6%. We will focus on the UK spring budget in more detail next week. On a lighter note, the 2022 edition of the Michelin Guide was this week revealed at a ceremony held in in Cognac. It was the first time in the guide's 122-year history that the ceremony was not held in Paris. 41 restaurants around France were awarded one Michelin star, Six were promoted to two-star establishments and two joined the exclusive club of Michelin three-star restaurants. One of the restaurants promoted to two-star establishments is right here in Monaco, the Blue Bay at the Monte Carlo Bay Hotel and Resort. Marcel Ravin arrived in Monte Carlo, or at the Monte Carlo Bay, in 2005 and earned his first star in 2015 with his Martinique-inspired cuisine based on memories of his grandmother's dishes. The Michelin Guide jury was said to be delighted with his vibrant gastronomy and uni- uni- universal accents. 
cuisine that changes according to his inspiration of the moment, which adapts to his environment with produce which is entirely sourced from his organic Monegasque vegetable garden. Well done. Well, turning our attention to pensions, could you briefly summarise what pensions expatriates usually have? <laughs> yeah, summarising what pensions people who worked in the UK might have is not as easy as you might expect. I say people who have worked in the UK rather than British expatriates because there's a lot of other nationalities, French, Belgians, Australians, who Blevins Franks have worked with recently who accumulated UK pensions while working in the UK but who are now living here. There is also a myriad of UK pensions but to, to simplify matters, they tend to fall into four specific types. Most British expatriates will have a UK state pension, or if they're not old enough, they'll have an entitlement to one when they hit the UK state retirement age. The UK state pension payments start at 66 for both men and women at the moment, but that age will gradually start to increase again from the 6th of May 2026. People who work for UK companies frequently have company pensions, also known as defined benefits pensions. These pensions can be really, really valuable because they were part of the employer's, the employer's remuneration package. What the employee receives when they reach the scheme's retirement age is a pension which is based on how long they worked for that employer and how much they were earning. I recently spoke to a gentleman who told me that after speaking to a pensions expert, he was in the process of encashing his pension because his pension had been frozen since he left his previous employers, which was somewhere near 10 years ago. I said that in my experience, that would be really unusual, and I suggested he dug a bit deeper and interrogated what the scheme will actually pay before he simply cashes it in. He came back to me earlier this week after discovering his final salary, which was the amount which would be used to calculate his pension benefits, had been indexed at 5% per annum since his departure, making his pension a very valuable asset. His confusion stemmed from the fact that his annual pension statement only quoted his salary at the point he left that job, not the indexed amount. His confusion also wasn't helped by the so-called pensions expert not exploring how valuable that pension actually is. Truthfully, final salary pensions are becoming more and more of a rarity because these days employers want to avoid creating a massive ongoing liability for themselves. I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard of what are described as pension black holes, which are heavy millstones around a company's balance sheet neck. These days, employers favour money purchase pensions because although they have a financial commitment, it's quantifiable. Individuals have used these money purchase schemes, also known as defined contribution private pension schemes, for years. The other pensions that are particularly popular, especially with the expatriates because of the benefits French tax treatment they enjoy, are annuities. As I said, Howard, there are a multitude of variations, but they all fall under one of the four schemes I've just described. Could you explain what the lifetime allowance is? <laughs> yeah, in very simple terms, the lifetime allowance is the maximum combined amount you can accumulate in UK pensions, whether they are defined benefits or defined contribution schemes. It was first introduced back in 2006 when the threshold was set at 1.4 million. That threshold was gradually increased over the next six years to 1.8 million, but in 2016 it was slashed back to 1 million. It was then increased in line with the inflation to its current level, which is just a million and seventy-three thousand pounds. In Rishi Sunak's first budget last year, he froze that threshold for the next five years. Any amount you have in pensions 
over, above that lifetime allowance is subject to a one-off tax charge of 25% if the excess is paid as a pension or a whacking 55% if it's paid as a lump sum. The charge can be applied in either of the two ways or a combination of both, depending on how you take the excess benefits above the lifetime allowance. And what is the overseas transfer charge? And can it adversely impact our listeners? Yeah, in 2017, the, the budget that the, the then UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, um, Philip Hammond, introduced was the overseas transfer charge. And it was, it was established and introduced to deter people from transferring their pensions out of the UK for what was described as purely UK tax avoidance reasons. What that really meant was you've accumulated pension benefits in a beneficial tax environment. Now you're moving away and we won't send any tax revenue, so we'll apply an exit tax. Now, importantly, not all Curops transfers are subject to the overseas transfer charge. If you live in the EU and you transfer your pension to an EU Curops, the charge won't apply. But be careful. If you subsequently move to live outside the EU, the tax charge could be applied retrospectively. Obviously, Monaco is not in the EU, so Monaco residents need to be very careful when they consider their pension options. This, is be- this became even more challenging with Brexit when UK financial advisors, brokers, pension administrators, stockbrokers, in fact anyone providing financial advice, lost the ability to advise overseas clients. So if we move to town, should we also move our pensions? And if we leave our pensions in the UK, what should we be mindful of? Um, I, would, I, I cannot overstate the importance of, of adjusting your financial planning for your life in France. Doing that enables you to take, to take advantage of opportunities that are available for French residents, which could significantly reduce your tax bills and help you to enjoy much more flexibility than UK-based arrangements offer. Does it then follow that you should bring your pensions with you if you intend to live permanently in France? Well, it would certainly be much easier if there was one right answer, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Everyone has their own set of requirements, plans and goals for their retirement, so your pension planning needs to be customised specifically for you. While you should take time and not rush into decisions about your pensions, you need to understand the goalposts could change now we're on the other side of Brexit and fully emerge from the pandemic. We've now all lived under this COVID cloud for for more than two years, and I think it's quite clear the pandemic and maybe even the, the Ukrainian war has deferred some Brexit decisions and rule changes which maybe under normal circumstances would have occurred. Because none of us know what changes will come along, I urge everyone to explore what options you have now before it's too late. If you have a defined contribution pension, you can access your funds in various ways. You can take cash in one lump sum or several chances. You can opt to take and receive regular income until the capital has been used up, or you can simply buy an income for life through a lifetime annuity. Defined benefits pensions provide a regular income throughout retirement. While you can't normally access the benefits as a cash lump sum, you'll never run out of income, and the lifetime benefits usually continue to be paid to your spouse if they survive you. If you've not started taking your pension from a defined benefits pension, you can transfer it to a defined contribution scheme, which generally offers greater flexibility. However, if you're considering this option, you need to be very careful because a one-off lump sum is often less beneficial than receiving a guaranteed income for life. You should also remember, UK pensions are frequently paid in sterling. If you live in France, you're spending euros, 
So conversion fees and variable exchange rates, as we've seen over the last few years, will significantly reduce the value of a UK paid pension. Well, as the UK is no longer a member of the European Union, does that affect our UK pensions? Yeah, the uh, the passage of time is frighteningly quick, isn't it, Howard? The, the UK has now been out of the European Union for, for, for over 15 months. As time passes, we're slowly learning more and more about what post-Brexit life in Europe looks like. And for us, what post-Brexit life in, in France looks like, what's actually changed and what hasn't. From a pensions perspective, so far... Brexit has had no effect whatsoever. The best news so far has to be the UK will continue to uplift UK state pensions for EU residents, just the same as it does UK residents. It will also continue to honour the S1 benefits for those people who receive a UK state pension, but importantly, also do the same for those who become eligible for a UK state pension as we're now on the other side of Brexit. As I said at the moment, because we can never say never and lurking around in the background is the possibility the UK could extend the overseas transfer charge, which we discussed earlier. Um, As one lady recently said to me, that wouldn't be too much of an issue. Well, on the face of it, she's correct if it happened in isolation. These decisions are not usually taken in isolation, though. So if the OTC is extended, we could see the UK changing the rules to ensure UK rising income is always taxed in the UK, as UK rental income already is. And if the Treasury gets its way, personal allowances could also be removed for non-UK residents, which means expatriates will pay UK income tax on every penny of UK rising income. If you are newly retired or approaching retirement, how important is it for us to review our overall financial planning at this stage in our lives? The, probably the best way to uh, to respond to that, Howard, is the foundations of Blemings Facts were built on helping British national retire to much sunnier places than, say, Blackpool. My apologies to Blackpool, but even though it's getting on for nearly 60 years ago, I still remember wearing the obligatory UK, UK seaside attire of a cagoule and nearly being blown off my feet on the prom and thinking, I never want to come here again. Assisting Brits to settle in the sun for the past 46 years has given Blevins Franks a unique understanding of what is required when someone enters this new and exciting phase of their lives. The world has its worries, but if you've chosen to retire to France, you're probably an optimist and positive about the freedom retirement will offer you. France certainly offers a beneficial lifestyle, but long-term security is crucial for the enjoyment of your retirement years. To achieve this, you need to take a look at your finances and the way you hold your assets. Your situation is now totally different to the days you spent working in the UK to achieve your dream of a retirement in the sun, so you need to be prepared to make some adjustments. The point when you retire also sounds like a good time to review your estate planning. What are the key elements we should focus on? I suppose... I suppose retirement is one of those milestone events which prompts what is frequently referred to as later life planning. I'm not sure I particularly like that phrase, but but because, you know, it's, when someone retires, they, they're usually, um, I apologise to say it, nearer the exit door than the entry door. That said, being older doesn't make estate planning or the decisions which are required any easier. It might sound very basic, but the first step with any estate planning is knowing what you want to happen which means deciding who you want to benefit and how much you want to give them. Now, this is where estate planning in France becomes a lot more complicated. The French Napoleonic rules are completely different to UK common law rules. French law dictates who and how much your beneficiaries 
will receive. Without professional advice and advanced planning, we frequently find testimony wishes are not achieved and more succession taxes paid than needs to be. Over the past 30 years, during these broadcasts, Bill Blevins frequently quoted the phrase, render unto Caesar what is due, not a penny more, which is frequently the case with succession tax because it's paid after the benefactor dies and they're obviously not around to argue with the taxman. A word of caution though, when considering estate planning, it's very important not to forget yourself. What I mean by that is, it can be very easy to let the tax tail of the dog wag the whole dog. Hopefully retirement is a new chapter in your life, which you will enjoy for many years. Giving assets away is not an ideal strategy in France. The French taxman is wise to that trick and applies gifts tax at the same rates as succession tax when assets are given away while you're alive. Estate planning for French residents therefore needs to be much more creative and taking expert advice is usually not just helpful, it's also very economic. So what steps should people take to get the best results for their tax planning and to make sure their financial arrangements are compliant in France? It, it's so easy to get uh, do-it-yourself tax planning wrong, big time wrong, especially with the regulatory goalposts changing so frequently. Many expatriates have the added complexity of having to deal with the tax rules of more than one country. At a time of heightened global tax scrutiny, getting it wrong can lead to an unwelcome and unexpected tax bill, not to mention the stress of then having to sort it out. Also, tax planning shouldn't be done in isolation or as an afterthought. It needs to be a fundamental part of your strategic financial planning. Blevins Facts was created and has been built on the belief expatriates need to talk to an advisor with an in-depth knowledge and understanding of cross-border taxation, including how the French tax regime interacts with UK rules, as well as offering the peace of mind that your tax and financial planning affairs are French compliant. Good advice ensures your needs and goals are achieved in the most efficient way possible. If you've not reviewed your financial situation since Brexit and you would like Blevins Franks to review them and look at the overall position, Give the Valbon office a call and we can speak to one of our partners and make an appointment to see one of them. The telephone number in Valbon is 0493-001780. Now, if Monaco office is more convenient for you, give us a call here in Monaco. Our number here is 97775574. That's 97775574. And alternatively, if you prefer, you can find out about Blevins Franks or arrange a meeting with one of our Blevins Franks partners by simply visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. Always informative, and I'll look forward to what's happening in the UK with that spring budget next Sunday. Absolutely, I'd look forward to it. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or Riviera at BlevinsFranks.com. Life after Brexit. What has changed for British expatriates in France? The last two years have been challenging with Brexit and the pandemic. Has your financial planning kept up with developments? Book your place at one of the Blevins Frank seminars on the 8th, 9th and 11th of March. They look at Brexit, succession reform in France, taxation, investing and UK pensions. To reserve your Blevins Frank seminar place, call 0493001780 
or online at blevinsranks.com.